Hello. Can you hear me? Oh, this is fun, isn't it? What shall I say? What shall I say? Um, so, Nick spoke last week very ably, if he's here. Um, no, very ably. Uh, about Acts 17. That's what we were looking at. That's what Chris said to us. He was like, talk about what you want as long as it's Acts 17 and what Paul did in Athens. So, we're like, okay. Um, so, Nick looked at the first verse and left me and James with the rest of the Bible. Um, so, have we got that up? Uh, we're just going to read it and then we'll pray and then we'll um, dive into what we've got. So, Paul in Athens. While Paul was in Athens, sorry, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities, because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting, for you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. Father God, I thank you for the word. I thank you for your Bible that you gave to us. I thank you that it's true, that there's nothing wrong in it, and that it's living and it speaks to us today. Would you just open our ears to hear what you're saying? Amen. You have to say amen, otherwise no one knows when you finish praying. See, so That's what that means. It doesn't. Right. Have you ever been at work uh, or at college or at, I don't know, wherever you go, hanging out in town, and uh, you're chatting to someone who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't follow Jesus, and, um, and you go up to them, and you're chatting away, and you're like, huh. and then suddenly they're like, oh, so what were you doing last night? And it happens to be like a Wednesday or, or a Sunday, right? Or what are you doing tomorrow? And you're like, oh, God, I need to tell them about church. <laughs> And you're like, oh, uh, I, uh, <clears throat> Jesus loves you. And then you run away. Have you ever done that? <laughs> right? It's good if you've done that because the other alternative is that you don't get that far and you just run away. Okay? So well done if you've meekly said Jesus loves you to someone. And uh, I'm sure it was powerful, right? That happens a lot, doesn't it? And it's like, it's that sick feeling you get in your gut. And you're like, I feel like it's a multitude of things because you're like, I feel bad that I feel bad. I shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God and all of that stuff. But I'm really ashamed. So like you've got all these conflicting things going on. You're like, what's going on? What do I say, right? It's a horrible feeling. So in Acts 17, Paul finds himself in Athens. Now just to get you up to speed, he's been in a place called Thessalonica. He wrote the letter to the Thessalonians there. And uh, he was doing very well. He was speaking uh, about Jesus and the resurrection, as it says. And uh, he planted a church there. The church was growing. And this annoyed some uh, religious guys, some Jewish guys. So they started beating him up, as you do. So he went to a place called Berea. And he started preaching the message of Jesus. Started preaching of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And the Jewish guys that had beaten him up in Thessalonica found out he was doing that. They got on a boat, went to Berea, and beat him up again. So Paul, taking the hint does one off to Athens. 
uh, leaves Silas and Timothy, who he was with, there. Uh, and Paul gets to Athens, right? So, so he's just taken a hiding off a couple of different times. And the first thing he does is he starts doing the very thing that got him a beating, which is pretty cool, right? He's a brave guy, a bit different to us with our sort of like, Jesus loves you. You know, Paul's not afraid to take a hiding for Jesus, which is pretty cool. So he gets to Athens, and the first thing that he does is he goes to where he knows, right? He goes to the synagogue. So the synagogue is kind of like, uh, what's it like? I suppose it's kind of like church. It's not really, but it kind of is. It's the religious place where the religious people of the day met, where the Jewish people go to pray. There's still synagogues around now, as you know, um, hopefully. So uh, people go there to meet with Jesus. These are God-fearing people. They want to know what God's about, right? But they haven't made the connect with Jesus. So Paul goes there, right? He goes there, and he knows what he's talking about. He's a guy who we've read about uh, earlier in Acts. He's a guy who knows the Jewish law. He knows the Torah. He knows it inside out and backwards. That's what he does. He was very good at what he does, and he knows it, right? So he goes there, and he reasons with them. So he's not just going there, and he's not just sort of, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, right? He's being a bit smart, yeah? He can engage with these guys where they're at, at their level. So he goes there and he talks to them and he shows them how Jesus is the Messiah that they're there patiently waiting for, how Jesus fulfills all of the promises in the Torah for him. Okay, But he doesn't just stop at the synagogue. Paul's a busy guy. He's got no time. He needs to run. So he goes out to the market as well, right? He's got a couple of days off. He's hanging out in the market, as, as we all do, because uh, the market's a cool place to be. It's like going to the maltings. <laughs> the best place in the world, right? So Paul's hanging out in the maltings, and, uh, and he's just talking to anyone and everyone that's there, but anyone that will listen, right? It just says, you know, he would... Uh, what does it say? I can't even find it now. Where's the words? Anyway, it says that he's talking to anyone who will listen. He's not really worried about who these people are. He's just like, you need to hear the message of Jesus. You need to hear the message of Jesus. You need to hear it, right? He's not really fussed about who he's engaging with. And while he's talking to them, uh, some, it says Stoic and Epicurean philosophers, which are kind of like two of the big philosophies of the day that were going on. It's a bit like, if you know anything about this, it's a bit like deism, that sort of idea. Um, this sort of like, there is a God, he's not interested. Or it's another, the other one, one of the two, Epicurean, is where um, you basically you believe that it's all futile and that everything's about now, right? So they are the two philosophies that they're talking about. And Paul engages with them as well. He doesn't, he's not frightened of the intellectual debate. Now, they, what do they say? They call him a babbler. Uh, what is this babbler trying to say? Now, that sounds like he was rubbish at speaking. But if there's one thing we know about Paul from reading the Bible is that he's not rubbish at speaking, okay? So what does that mean? What it means in, getting all technical, is the, the kind of the translation of the word where they got babbler from was like, if you imagine like a, a chicken that goes around and like picks up a bit of dirt and moves around and puts it down like that, yeah? It's like henpecking. Sort of, he's, they're saying that he's grasping at these ideas, but he doesn't really have any depth to them, and he's just sort of like chucking out these ideas, yeah? So they weren't saying he was a bad speaker, but they're saying that they didn't really like what he was saying. They didn't really get what he was saying. He was just throwing things out. But they wanted to hear him again. 
and James is going to tell you all about that next week. That's not for me to do now. So come back next week for the uh, conclusion. It's going to be amazing. So he engaged with spiritual people. Yeah, we've got plenty of spiritual people around nowadays, right? But he also engaged with normal people. And thank God we've got more normal people than spiritual people around nowadays. And he also engaged with the philosophers of the day, with the clever guys, yeah? With the brainiacs who I am not one of and I don't engage with. (laughs) So Paul didn't hold back, right? He was relentless. Something about this gospel message had got him and had captivated him. And he was running with it and he was telling anyone and he was telling everyone who would give him two seconds to hear about Jesus and the message. And we're going to get on to what that message was a little bit later on. So I just want to look at what Paul did in this chapter, in this reading that we just read. And I just sort of want to draw out sort of like three things that we can learn as we're looking at speaking about Jesus. Yeah, we want to be a people, you know. It says in Peter, don't be afraid to give account for the hope that you have, yeah? Don't be ashamed. We need to always be ready to do that. So we need to learn how, and Paul can teach us three things. So the first thing is, we need to obey the Holy Spirit's prompting, right? This is like the worst thing, because the Holy Spirit always prompts you to do things you don't want to do. I don't know if you've ever noticed. (laughs) Oh, maybe you don't. So... Uh, We see in verse 16, he gets there, as Nick was telling us last week, the first thing that happens is he's like gut-wrenched. He's like freaking out. He is almost, Nick was saying, he's almost like panicking. He's having a seizure because he sees the city is full of idols. It's full of, of things that people are chasing that are no good for them, that will never deliver on the promises that they give. And these people haven't heard of Jesus, who is the one who does deliver on every promise and on everything that we've ever looked for. And he's got that message and he feels the need, the burden on him to share that message with these people who are ultimately hopeless at the moment. He obeys the Holy Spirit's prompting. Now, Nick said a quote last week, which was great. It was John Stott said, the reason we don't do what Paul did is that we don't feel what Paul felt. Yeah, so the reason we don't do what Paul did is that we don't feel what Paul felt. And now, if we're completely honest, we don't feel what Paul felt, do we? We come to church and we're in our comfy chairs and we're worshipping and having a great time. And we don't instantly walk away from church with this burning desire to tell everyone and anyone about what Jesus has done for us and what he wants to do for people that don't know him. Right? That's not a judgment. That's just a matter of fact. That's the way it is. So, when we believe in Jesus... His spirit, his Holy Spirit, comes to us. Yeah, He indwells within us. The Bible says that he leaves us with his spirit. The Holy Spirit in us is a very powerful thing if we learn to listen to it and if we learn to obey what it's saying. Uh, was anyone here when R.T. Kendall was speaking a few, a few months back? That was amazing, wasn't it? I just, literally, I just heard it last week on the podcast. Um, and it was absolutely incredible. If you haven't heard it, there's a, I think there's an app and you can listen to it on there or something. But he, one of the things that he mentioned, he told this story of these people. Um, and they, were, um, they moved to Israel and a, a bird like a dove, sorry, very important that I get the right bird. A dove <laughs> landed in their house and like, lived there and stayed there. And they noticed that like, whenever they... This kind of sounds like a really cheesy story, and it kind of is, but apparently it's true, so I'm sorry that it's cheesy. Every time they argued or banged the door, the dove flew away. Yeah? 
Oh, and that's a bit like Jesus. Well, it actually is a bit like Jesus. So, <laughs> sorry, my sense of humor is a bit off. I apologize. So, he was talking about the sensitivity of the spirit. The spirit is likened to a dove for very good reason, because doves are sensitive things. The spirit is sensitive. Now, when we hear sensitive, we think of like the worst possible definition of that. And you're like, if you know someone who's sensitive, you're like, oh, man, they're really sensitive, right? It's not like that. The Holy Spirit's sensitivity is an amazing thing. It's in the best possible way. And we have to learn to harness that and to live with that. So what R.T. Kendall was saying was that we need to live a life that means that we're quick to turn away from things when we do wrong, when we do things that offend the Holy Spirit. We're saved. That's done and dusted. Sin, don't worry about it. But our ongoing working out with the Holy Spirit, as soon as we're doing things we shouldn't be doing, as soon as we're involved in things that offends God, the Holy Spirit can't be there and he won't be there and he will go. And we need to live a life that keeps the Holy Spirit close with us. Does that make sense? So we keep that in step with the Holy Spirit, I kind of like to say. Okay? We need to keep him near because if he's not near, he can't prompt us. And if he can't prompt us, we can't do what Paul did and we can't feel what Paul felt. Okay? So, obeying the Holy Spirit, the first thing we do is we pray. Okay? So I'm going to use an example. A friend of mine was, um, was away on like a work weekend. And uh, uh, they were, all, all the, like the bill was paid for by the, the sponsor of the weekend for work, right? So, uh, except like the alcoholic drinks, and there was one guy there who couldn't, who wasn't part of the sponsorship, so he wasn't paid for. So two guys got up off the table, went and had a word with the barman and said, oh, I've sorted it out so that um, the, uh, the barman's going to make the bill so that it's all completely covered by the sponsor. So it, you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, all right, all right. It's a bit dodgy, but everyone was sort of a bit uncomfortable. No one said anything. And then my friend, because he obeyed the Holy Spirit's prompting, he heard him, he was like, this isn't right. I can't, I can't do this, you know. And so he's got all these people here who are like sitting there having a good time. He's like, oh, man, I've got to say something. The Holy Spirit was prompting him to say something. This isn't right. This is stealing. So he did. As it turned out, everyone there, bar the two people that went and sorted it out, was uncomfortable anyway. And uh, subsequently it was fine, and they worked out another way of doing it. My friend there, in a simple way, just obeyed the Holy Spirit's prompting. Yeah? He didn't grieve the Holy Spirit, as it says in the Bible, and he went away because he sinned or he chose not to act. So the first thing we do is we pray. We're in a situation, something like that hits. We've got a situation where we're challenged, yeah? and we need to stand up for what we believe, and we need to speak out for what we believe. So the first thing we do is we pray. Okay? God, what are you doing? So my friend in that situation, it's like, God... What do I do? Do I just pay my bit and just go? Or do I need to speak out? Or do I just need to say nothing? You know? He prayed. He obeyed the Holy Spirit's prompting. And the second thing we do is we discern. What is it saying? So to discern means you're kind of like trying to figure out. You're weighing it up. What's actually going on here? Yeah. What course of action do I need to take? Now, something that really annoys me about Christians, and I'm a Christian as well, is that we're really afraid yeah, and we're cowards, let's, let's be quite frank. So a lot of times what will happen, or what I hear of happening, is, is people, and, and they assume that God, does, oh, God doesn't want me in a pub, or God doesn't want me in a, uh, I don't know, wherever, and they just go, 
right? They just they don't even think about it. They just go. Or they don't even get there in the first place to leave. They just stay away. And they'll pray from a distance and they'll keep it safe and they'll keep it sweet. And they haven't even asked the Holy Spirit, what's he doing? Maybe the Holy Spirit wants you to go to that pub, that scary, sinful place that you might be offended in. Maybe the Holy Spirit wants you to go there to engage with people. There's one thing we know about Jesus is that he wasn't afraid of places and he wasn't afraid of people. Yeah? So let's not be people that assume the Holy Spirit wants us to stick away. Let's be people that actually pray first. God, what are you doing? What should I do here? And then discern what he says. Now, it may be that he says, don't go or leave. But let's make him, let's let him make that decision. Let's not make that for him. Yeah, let's not be scared. Let's not be cowards. Right? So, the first thing we do is pray. The second thing we do is we discern what he's saying. And the third thing that we need to do is we take action. So, Paul was grieved by the Holy Spirit. In his spirit, even in two seconds, he was saying, God, what are you doing? The third thing he did, he took action. He spoke to anyone and everyone that would hear the message of Jesus. Okay? He took action. That's what we need to do. We need to be a people of action and not just words. Okay. The second thing I want to look at, I need to move quite rapidly, is know your audience. Right? Paul knew who he was talking to. In every situation, he engaged different people. I just want to very quickly look at 1 Corinthians 9. 20 to 23. So this is a letter to a church in Corinth that was a funky church with all sorts of things going on. And Paul wrote, To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside of the law, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. Right, I'm a builder. As you can tell, that really follows on nicely. I'm a builder. And uh, Deborah, my wife, laughs at me a lot for many different reasons, because I'm a bit of a doofus. But for one of them is that whenever I'm on the phone to a tradesperson or, or, or to a builder, so I'm like, yeah, what, mate? How you doing? Yeah, yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, good. I need some sand. Yeah, good. All right, safe. Done. Okay? And I'm like, oh, hi, Debs. Do you want a cup of tea? <laughs> Straight after this, right? I don't know why I do it. I, do, I just do. I just do. But I think I'm being scriptural. I'm all things to all people, right? So it's all right, yeah? Okay. Thank you, yeah. Nice one. Yeah, I'll build your house. Yeah, safe. All right, so how often, right, do we go and talk to people about what we believe, yeah? So the Holy Spirit's prompted us. It's moved us. It's moved us to action. We go and we talk to people. How often do we go and talk to them? And suddenly, like, if you were there sitting there looking at yourself talking, you'd be like, I don't say that. What is that? You know. So, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? People are like, what? <laughs> We're filled with something, but or it, it, it doesn't have to be. You know, we talk, about, we joke about words like sanctified, or or we joke about words like justification. Yeah, but we don't even say those words, right? So we've maybe got better at not saying those words, but we still say stuff that people don't understand. Even words like worship. What does that mean? Even words like being saved. Some people find that offensive. What are you talking about? We need, we need to not be too free with these Christian cliches and these words that we use. We need to know who we're talking to. We need to talk in such a way 
that is not patronising, but it's not offensive and just isn't plain strange. Yeah? We need to talk like builders. <laughs> so, right. So Paul engaged with the culture. He spoke to the philosophers in language that they sort of understood. He spoke to everyday people, and he spoke to the Jews on a level that they could understand, right? But he didn't, so he engaged the culture. But he didn't get so engaged the culture that it was just like you wouldn't even notice that there was anything different about him. He wasn't just like, oh, yeah, you've got a great God. Yeah, you worship that God. That's cool. Um, oh, this is a nice little pagan idol. What's that you're enjoying now? Oh, that's good. I'll tell you about another one. Yeah, Jesus. It wasn't like that. It was like, no, Jesus is the only one. These are rubbish. These are nothing. Paul wasn't afraid of the culture, and he wasn't so engaged in it that there was no difference in it. Do you see what I'm saying there? Yeah. Sometimes it's very easy to paint Jesus as a philosopher. It's very easy to paint Jesus as a teacher and a good man. But he doesn't actually give you that. If you actually look at what he says, he says, I'm God. So where do you go with that? If Jesus is what he says he is, then he is everything that he says he is. He's not just a good man. You can't call him a good man because he says, I am God. Okay? So then what happens? You need to deal with that question. So we need to not be so engaged with the culture that there's no difference with the culture. Do you get what I'm saying there? Okay. So I'm just going to shoot on because I, I thought I'd be worried for a material and I'd be like filling it out with like my great jokes and stuff. But, uh, <laughs> see, I've just wasted time saying that. Right. Speak of Jesus is the third thing, right? What do we speak about? What did Paul speak about? Paul spoke about Jesus and the resurrection. That was what he was preaching. That was what they called him a babbler about because they didn't understand what he was talking about. But they wanted to hear him again. He spoke of Jesus and the resurrection. He didn't speak of Jesus and some great things he taught. He didn't speak of, of Jesus amongst Aristotle and all of these other guys. He said Jesus and the resurrection. Jesus is the only way to know life, to know God, to be saved, to be rescued. Paul came to the people of Athens and he was moved by the Holy Spirit. All right? But he was grieved because he saw a culture that was completely lost in its idols, it was lost in its own desires, in its own wants, and it was just chasing after anything and everything. The latest, the latest philosophy to come out, the latest thing to come out. People were just running after it. He saw people that had desires, God-given desires, inside them, but they were chasing after the answers in the wrong place, right? Does that sound familiar? Yeah, it really does. It, there's nothing new under the sun, it says in the Bible, yeah? There's nothing, it's not like suddenly people have we just invented porn and sex and all of this stuff recently, and there was nothing like that back there. You should go, go watch the series on Rome. That was pretty interesting. Right? Don't, maybe. But <laughs> um, there's nothing new under the sun. People are chasing desires. They're chasing idols, right? So as Nick reminded us last week, an idol, the definition of an idol, uh, Tim Keller puts it like this. It's a good thing that becomes an ultimate thing. Yeah. So God's here. Your good thing's there. If your good thing goes there, you've got yourself an idol. What do you go to? What do you run to first? Okay? It can be anything. It can be your family. It can be your friends. Here it was probably more obvious. It was like gods of war, gods of sex, gods of money, power, all of these things, right? What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life in all its abundance. I've come to give you everything you ever 
needed. That's what I bring you. I bring you healing. I bring you hope. I bring you love. I bring you comfort. I bring you affirmation. Jesus is God. Jesus is the sum of every longing that you've ever had in your life. Jesus is the one who answers that question for you. And Paul's message was strong. He wasn't afraid. He confronted idols. What does Jesus do? Jesus smashes idols. Yeah? Idols are nothing. They are, they're like dirt on a shoe. But Jesus comes and he is holy. He is perfect. Jesus' cross and his redemption, his, so redemption means what he saved us from and what he leads us to. So Jesus' cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection. This is what Paul was preaching about. And this is what we are saved from, a life like this. And we are saved to a life of fullness, a life of fulfillment, a life of worth, a life of meaning, a life of relationship. Yeah? Jesus is the only one. Paul recognised this. That's what Paul was talking about. He said, I've been in your place. I've been a religious guy. I've, my idol, Paul's idol, was his religion. He was a proud man. He was there when Stephen was murdered, the first martyr. He went hard after Christians because his idol was being threatened. His idol of religion and his idol of this, this is the way it is, the status quo was being threatened. And he went hard after the thing that was threatening. He was murdering Christians. He was hunting them down. Jesus, on the road to Damascus, met him. Yeah? The story goes, he's on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians. Jesus pushes him off his horse. Jesus blinds him. And in that moment of blinding him physically, spiritually, his eyes are opened and he sees Jesus for who he is. And he sees Jesus as Lord and as the one who is above all idols and is the one who is the only hope. And so in that moment, Paul's idol is smashed. That's what Jesus does when we meet him. And in that moment, Paul realizes Jesus is God. And that's what he's speaking about here. That's why Paul's taking beatings in Thessalonica and Berea. And that's why Paul isn't afraid to take another one. Because he knows what the truth is. And the truth has set him free. And he's pushing on. And he's not giving up. And he's chasing. And that's what we need to do, right? So, finishing with this. What has Jesus done for you? Has he done anything? Be honest. Don't, just because you've been at church for 20 years... Don't pretend if it's not real. Just who cares? You're not, you're not impressing anyone. You're just missing out. If you've been in church, I don't know, five minutes and you've had an amazing encounter with Jesus, tell someone that. Say, I just met Jesus. I don't understand it all. I don't even know if it's true, but it's interesting. I'm going to go again. Tell people that. If you've encountered Jesus and you've, you've been walking with him for like five, ten minutes, 10 years, sorry, and he's changing your life and he's filling you and he's changing your circumstances. Tell people about it. Tell people that, your experience. Yeah? I read this cool thing today from a guy called Ravi Zacharias on Twitter. He said, apologetics, which is essentially like arguing for the Bible. Yeah? Apologetics is the seasoning and the gospel, the message of good news, what Jesus has done. That's the meal. If you're apologetics, if your seasoning is too much, the meal becomes insipid. Yeah? We use ways to argue with people in order that we can present the gospel to them. That's what Paul does. That's what we do. Be honest. We've got an opportunity today. Maybe if the band want to come up, they're out having coffee. <laughs> if, uh, if there's people here today, if you haven't 
If you've been at church 30 years and you would say, I just go to church, I don't know why, take an opportunity. Just, just come up, get prayer or whatever. Just, even just sit there and do it yourself with God. But just say, God, you know what, Jesus, I need an experience of you. I feel like I'm just sort of just running on empty here. There's not really anything, right? So if that's you, just do that. Don't hide. Don't try and keep up appearances. It's not, there's no point. But then at the same time, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never met the one, and if you are living trying to chase after things, that are going just a bit faster than you, as idols always do, things that always promise much and deliver little. If you're living that life, come to Jesus. Come up, the famous, my right, your left, and uh, there'll be people there to pray for you, yeah? We need to be brave. We need to be strong. But we need to be truthful as well. We need to not be cowards. We need to humbly speak what Jesus is doing, speak who Jesus is. Shall we stand and we'll just pray quickly? Holy Spirit, I thank you. Thank you for what you did in Paul in Athens. Thank you for what we can learn today. I pray this would be an encouraging message to us to keep it simple, to just speak you and your truth of what you've done. Just fill us now, I pray. Amen. That's God.